A long time ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth, I was a children's pastor. I was. I was a children's pastor. And I remember uh, being on staff at the mothership, and we were having a debate as a staff as to whether or not we should relaunch a midweek service. We had done one two years earlier, and it just wasn't working. There were a lot of things about it that weren't, wasn't working, and so we launched small groups. And we were having this debate, should we now also relaunch the midweek? And my idea, my thoughts were, hey, we just launched small groups. We shouldn't be starting this other thing that's going to compete with it. We should let small groups take root, and we should let small groups grow. And besides, we're, we're filling children's ministry volunteer positions for two services, and then we're going to turn around and add that, a whole, basically a whole third service, and have to fill preschool, nursery, school age, and all that other stuff during, in the middle of the week too? Well, the senior pastor was of a different opinion. He felt that, well, no, 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 no. See, this is central Kentucky. And in central Kentucky, there's a group of people that are just scared to death about showing up in someone's home. And that makes them nervous, okay? And they will show up to the church building on a Wednesday night. And so if you've got more hooks in the water, you're going to reach more people. And so bat on and on, we, we debated as a staff. And at the end of the day, when the time came to make a decision, do you know who made it? Not me. Because I was the children's pastor. And the, the, the word came from down up high on Mount Zion that the senior pastor made the decision and we were going to go with a relaunch of the midweek service. Well, we came up with this idea and, and we launched a particular new way of doing uh, the stuff for the kids and we tripled our kids' attendance. And the irony of it is people at, at Church of the Savior for a year or two after that thought it was my idea to relaunch the midweek. And I was like, no! I didn't say that because, you know, once a decision's made, you support the decision. But it's funny, okay? Taking orders, taking orders, doing what someone else wants to do just because they're the boss, it's hard. It's hard, isn't it? Teenagers, I feel your pain, right? You may resent your parents right now in the gym. You may be thinking, I cannot wait to get out on my own and out from under the way you do things, mom and dad. Oh, I can't wait. Here's the bad news. When you get out from mom and under from mom and dad and go out into life, it's the same thing as now. The only thing that changes is the identity of your boss. Can I get an amen? The only thing that changes is the identity of your boss. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Okay? And that boss may have the corner office and a really ugly tie. That boss may be the customer, but you will still have a boss. We Americans are so independent. We want to do things our way. We don't want someone else telling us what to do. And when it comes to God, we Americans, we want the fire insurance. I mean, come on, who really wants to go to hell? Any version of it, whether it's literal flames or as cold as hell or whatever they describe, none of it sounds appealing. And so we all want the fire insurance and we're happy to give God some Sundays and kind of read the Bible and do some things because after all, he saved us. But at the end of the day, right, we kind of still want to do what we want to do. And it's kind of hardwired in there. A.W. Tozer, who preached, by the way, in the 1950s, 
said this about the American church in the 1950s. The problem with the American church is that we want some of God, just not all of them. When money is short, when people have disappointed us, when we get a medical diagnosis we don't like, man, we want all of God we can take. But when money's okay, when the bills are paid, when the relationships are working, we really like the ability to kind of click through the life selections that are most appealing and most interesting to us. And that's just kind of how we roll. There's one problem with that. God doesn't roll that way. It's the weirdest thing. God, God, the God of the universe, won't accommodate the bargaining. He won't accommodate the, the uh, thinking about it, the uh, I want to do things my way. God, from his perspective, is either master or nothing. Today, I want to talk to you about uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And according to the Bible, a person is either controlled by their sinful nature or their spirit. They're controlled by one or the other. Uh, and, and, and so, according to the Bible, also, over time, you can actually tell which one is controlling a person. According to the Bible, over time, you can tell if a person is being controlled by their sinful nature. Because the sinful nature has telltale signs, telltale indicators, attitudes, and behaviors. And the Bible says that over time, you can tell if the Spirit is controlling a person. Because again, there are telltale signs, telltale indicators, attitudes, and behaviors that when the Spirit is controlling. And so, I want to take a look at a passage written by Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that describes what a Spirit-filled Christian looks like. And that's Galatians chapter 5. So, if you brought a Bible, open that puppy up to Galatians chapter 5. It's in the New Testament right after the Gospels. Everything's in the New Testament right after the Gospels. It's easy. Just hang a right, okay? (laughs) Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 16, okay? This is the first section, and Paul writes this. He says, So I say, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. The Spirit that Paul is talking about in these verses up here is the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. And then he's also talking about what's what's in my Bible and what's on the screen as sinful nature. In the Greek, it's one word, flesh. Now, flesh or sinful nature isn't a material thing. It isn't a physical thing. It's the total person living outside of God's will. Somebody being controlled and living life outside of God's will. And Paul says uh, in the second part of verse 17, these two forces are constantly fighting each other, okay? There's a war. There's a spiritual unseen war going on for you and for me. The Spirit wants to control. The Spirit wants to fill. The Spirit wants to empower, encourage. And the sinful nature wants to do what it wants to do, which is in opposition to what the Spirit wants. And these two are fighting for each other as to who will control 
you and me. And when you live by your sinful nature, you don't do what the Spirit wants. And when you live by the Spirit, you let the Spirit control or have, have a say, have, have a way in what's going on in your life. Well, what, is, what does the sinful nature look like? Well, that's verses 19 and following. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. There's a good one. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. If I'm describing work, just please forgive me. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins. Phew, like these. Let me tell you again, as I've before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty long list. And you know, the sad thing is, it's not a comprehensive or complete list of all the things that the sinful nature does and wants to do. It's just a partial list. Um, And Paul is writing this letter to a group of Christians, to a church that was horribly divided. And they were bitterly arguing with each other to the point where it was like Splitsville. And so some of the prevailing things that come out in this list have to do with being divisive, being angry, not being willing to get along, those kinds of things. Um, But again, sinful nature is not a physical thing. It's It's not something that's made out of matter or, you know, paper. It's something in the unseen world. Spirits with a little s are capable of doing a lot of the things in this list, aren't they? Envy, um, contentiousness, quarrelsome, jealousy. Spirits can have those kinds of sinful nature products. All right? So Paul goes on and he flips now in verse 22, and now he describes what living a life being controlled by the Spirit looks like. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. People, according to Paul, start off in this condition of being controlled by the sinful nature. But then some people are born again. Some people are redeemed. And those people now have the Spirit in them. And as they yield to the Spirit, what happens over time is that the Spirit works in them from the inside out. And over time, months, weeks, years, peace, patience, kindness, you start seeing these things because it's the Spirit working in them, producing that from the inside out. All right? The fruit is something the Spirit does. It's not something you and I do on our own. Trust me, when you're on Nicholasville Road at 8.30 in the morning and you're 15 minutes late, it is peace is not something that just comes off of NPR radio <laughs> or 98.1 The Bull or whatever, okay? It's something the Spirit does on the inside out, Okay? But there are some things that we do to partner with the Spirit. And Paul draws these out in the next few verses. Verses 24 and following. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous with one another. 
So there's three things he mentions that we do in partnering. We nail our passions, our sinful desires to the cross. In other words, we approach God with the attitude of, okay, you can drive. That's a tough position to be in, but that's kind of basically what he's saying there, nailing it to the cross. All right? And then the second thing in verse 25 is, um, let us follow the Spirit's leading. We're allowing the Spirit to guide and direct, and when the Spirit does those things, we're going, okay, yes, sir, boss, yes, sir, boss, and we're doing what the Spirit leads us to do. And then the last thing is, as we're doing those things, and as we're letting the Spirit lead us, we don't, don't then turn around and look at everyone else and go, I'm so much better than you. God doesn't like that. <laughs> okay, so we don't do that part. We don't allow ourselves to become conceited. When a person is controlled by the Spirit, according to this passage, you're going to see the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. And if they're controlled by the Spirit and they're allowing the Spirit to lead them, the Jewish law won't have anything to condemn them. Why? Because they're going to be living a life that pleases God. According to the Bible, according to Paul, if we simply yield to the Spirit, that's all we need to live a life that pleases God. You don't need a long list of do's and don'ts. I mean, it's kind of scary to even say that, but that's what he's saying in this passage. If you let the Spirit lead and you follow the Spirit, you will live a life that pleases God. So in light of that, in light of what Paul in the Bible is saying here, let me ask some questions, right? Oh, it's like, oh, the questions. Yes, here are the questions. Here they are. What power controls you most of the time on Monday mornings? <laughs> what power controls you? The sinful nature or the Spirit? Do you want to be filled with the Spirit? Do you really want it? Do you believe that you really need Him at a fundamental, basic level? Or do you think, no, I'm, I'm good, thanks, doing okay? Do you even believe that you can be filled? If you're here today, and if you would say, you know what, uncle, on the inside, there's some darkness that I can't even describe. There's some spiritual loneliness. There's an ache. If, if there's a part of you that would say, you know, I'm at a point in my life where, yeah, desperate might be an adjective that I would allow to describe the me on the inside, then you might very well be ready to be filled with the Spirit. A.W. Tozer said there's four key things to keep in mind, and I'm going to defer to him because I think the guy was wise beyond his years. All right? And he says this, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, follow this path, right? And he maps it out, and he says, first, present your body, Romans 12, 1. Present, offer your bodies as a sacrifice unto the Lord. Present your body. God cannot fill what he cannot have, so give him your body. And that's the first step. Okay, God, here it is, this body that I've got, me, all of me. And body isn't just your physical body, it's everything that's your body contains, which at the moment is your spirit, your will, your passions, your desires, your dreams. Boom. God, here I am. Here's me. I offer me to you to do with as you see fit. And that's the second thing Tozer says we should do is ask. And he'll quote Luke, uh, the chapter in Luke where uh, Jesus is teaching and he says, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking and you'll get. All right? Ask. Just ask. 
That's the funny thing. Tozer says the funny thing with God and the way God rolls is nine times out of 10, all you need to do is just ask. It's amazing how many people won't even ask God. Okay? Present your body, ask, and then thirdly, this is the hard one, obey. So now you got this, now you've done the thing. Okay, God, here I am. God, here's me. Fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Boom. It's like three hours later and the spirit's prompting, the spirit's nudging. Obey. Are you ready to obey and do what God asks you to do? And then lastly, Tozer says, have faith. The funny thing with God is uh, you, gotta, you receive salvation by faith. You receive forgiveness by faith. You re- receive the Holy Spirit and a filling of the Holy Spirit by faith. Confident. And it's not a confidence in you. It's not a confidence that you're good enough. It's not a confidence that you did the right steps in the right order. It's confidence that God is good and trustworthy and will do what he's promised, which is fill those who offer themselves. If you seek me, you'll find me, okay? So now, for some of you, I'm not talking to, you know, you've heard me that, and you're like, that's not me. Well, let me talk to you for a minute, all right? If you're not feeling it today, um, if, if as I was going through the fruit of the spirit list, you, were, it, you just found yourself getting frustrated on the inside, just hearing the list kind of made you a little, yeah, thanks, thanks for mentioning that today, Max. I'll work on that one, buddy. All right, if, if that's you, have you ever had one of those days, by the way, you wake up and you say to yourself, I pity anyone who crosses my path today. <laughs> I pity them. Why? Pow! They are going to get the Holy Ghost power. And I'm not talking about God's spirit. <laughs> right? Okay? If I, you know what I call those? Mondays. <laughs> okay? You can call it whatever you want, right? But if, you're, if that's you and you're like, man, I'm just not feeling it. I'm the, just hearing the list. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I can't. Just, if that's you, this is your prayer today. Hey, God, save me from myself. I am not feeling it. I am frustrated. Peace? Are you kidding me? Patience? Goodness? Self-control? No. Save me from myself. Break me. That's your prayer this morning, right? I want to tell you about a young woman who allowed herself to be led by the Spirit. And I want to show a picture of her. This is a picture of her later in life. Her name is Esther. Esther Ann Kim. Esther Kim was a young Korean woman who encountered a Western missionary who came through in the 1930s. And Esther gave her life to God. And the unfortunate thing about the 1930s is that everybody was invading everybody else. I mean, the Germans were, you know, invading everywhere. Japan was invading everywhere. I mean, it's like everybody went crazy, okay? And the tanks rolled in and all the aircraft and everything. And so the Korean peninsula was overrun by the Japanese. And when the Japanese came in, they put uh, basically a shrine on every corner. That's what her book says, shrine on every corner. And they were expecting you to kind of bow before the shrines. Well, Esther had resolved, you know what? God saved me. I'm not going to worship anybody but him. Jesus is my king, period. And so she knew, I'm probably going to get in trouble because I'm not going to worship at one of the shrines on one of the corners. And here's what she did. She actually prepared herself for being imprisoned 
she started, uh, when she was out and about in the streets, she would go down the alleyways and look for old decaying food, and that's what she would eat in the weeks and months leading up to her actual arrest. She also committed to memorizing 100 chapters in the Bible. Again, because she thought to herself, they're going to take that away. They won't let me have that, so I'm going to have to store it in here. So I have it in here. The other thing that she did was she prayed and she fasted. Well, the day came, the soldiers arrested her and threw her little keister in prison. And I want to read you of one encounter uh, that she had with another prisoner that was thrown in. When she was taken to prison, God used her in countless ways. One night, a young Chinese woman convicted of killing her husband was brought in. She moaned incessantly and beat on the doors until the guards tied her hands behind her back. It was this woman that God called Esther to love and reach out to. Esther held the woman's feet at night to warm them, even though the woman was covered in her own excrement. Though the food rations were small, Esther gave up her portions for three days to this woman. Over time, that Chinese woman began to respond, carrying on conversation and eventually accepting the good news of the gospel. The woman was later executed for her crime, but she went to her death alive in Christ. Now, you and I would look at that and we would go, there's no way I could do that. Well, you know what? Esther died in 1997. But if we could get the young Esther of her 20s that was arrested and thrown in prison and have her sit here and tell a story about some woman who did what she (laughs) did, she would say the same thing. There's no way I could do that. Of course not. It's the spirit. It's the spirit on the inside. I think Mother Teresa did half the things that she did. It wasn't her. It wasn't that little pibsqueak, you know, passion. It was the spirit inside. That same spirit is available to you and me. And so if God can help a young woman manage horrific circumstances, a war-torn, ravaged country, imprisonment, being on the brink of starvation, being beaten and everything else, if God can do that for her, then I really do believe that God, when it comes to that marriage relationship that's really dogging you right now, that God can create in you peace, patience, kindness. I believe when it comes to the work situation and the boss, that every drive in, you're like, man, send them away, send her away, that boss. Those people that you work with, I believe that God, through his Holy Spirit, can create in you self-control, kindness. When it comes to thoughts that you may have that recur, that go over and over again, these negative thoughts, these condemning things that in your mind, you're just, that dog you, I believe the Holy Spirit in you can bring freedom. That's what God does from the inside out. And I so want that for you and for me.